0: Hello and welcome to Girl Club. I'm Cynthia Garrett, and uh, you know, joining me this week are two of your favorite regular Girl Club crew members, Christina Boudreaux from the Whosoever's, and Hi everyone. Hey, everybody. Hey, CB. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. I'm diving in. Good. Quickly. I'm diving in quickly this morning uh, because we have so much territory that we've been covering, and um, it seems like we have so much to say that. I'm sort of like wanting to just get to the intros really quickly, you guys. So for those of you joining us, Christina Reynolds is also with us today. And you guys know Christina. She's an awesome singer, songwriter. Um, I want to say worship leader, but like you're a singer, songwriter first, and then you choose to worship. I think
1: yes. that is, like that's
0: is that I love that. <laughs> right? Like I always, you know, sometimes I'll think you introduce someone as a worship leader and it's like. Well, they actually have to be gifted with the spirit of singing and songwriting, you know, on some level. Well, I mean, you can just worship and not be gifted, which would be me. <laughs> but in Christina's case, there's actually a gifting there for it. Yeah.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I love, I love what you guys do. And if you guys have, have not, for those of you watching, if you haven't heard um, Christina Boudreau, who I often call CB, um, mm-hmm. preach you need to check out her her website and and really, like, check these girls out. I mean, there's a reason why I have Christina and Christina and Nova as regulars here on Girl Club. It's because not only do they have a lot to share out of the overflow of their own experiences and out of their own revelation with the Lord in their journeys, they're also incredibly anointed for what they do in ministry in other forums besides Girl Club. So... As we dive in today, we have been focused the last number of weeks on the spirit of rejection and really all that it encompasses. It's pretty deep because it works with the spirit of self pity. It works with the spirit of a mocking spirit, a mocking enemy. Um, it works with low self esteem and, you know, insecurity and anger and all kinds of things that victimize you as Pray when you're dealing with it. Um, Feeling worthless and unwanted is not cool. And it's not what God created us to feel or to be. We are more than valuable. He died for us. And we are, are, are so wanted. You know, every day God wants you. Every day God wants to meet with you. And what we're trying to do here is really dive into this conversation to help you recognize when a spirit of rejection is is at work in your life, especially when it's demonically empowered. And it's really causing you to live your life as a victim instead of live your life victoriously in your mind and your heart and your soul the way that you were created to live, um, you know. Uh, This spirit, you know, when it works with self-pity and all of these other things really serves to drive people away from you, you know? And then, of course, what happens when people go away from you? Then you feel rejected and abandoned. So it's like whenever you're not living to the fullest of what God created you to live in, and whenever you don't have victory over this kind of a thing, you're in essence really and truly projecting failure onto your own life. And you will be successful. In that failure, you know, it, it, it's it's because you 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 isolate then you cause people to not want to be around you because they can't deal with what's happening. You know, so a spirit of rejection will kind of torture you with comments that sound like uh, you're a failure um, you always fail. You can't do it. You never do it. You're nobody. You never will be. All of these voices start to play themselves over and over in your head in the hopes that you'll just give up. You know, so I'm here to say to you and we're here to say to you, don't give up. Instead, take a journey with us. If you haven't seen the past Girl Club episodes where we've really been dissecting these issues and dealing specifically with 10 potential indicators that you have a demonic spirit of rejection at work, like ripping up your life, uh, go back, go to the Cynthia Garrett Ministries YouTube channel, check them out, go, you know, to Salem, Light Source, check them out, go to one place, check them out on audio, on podcast. If you want to just hear and catch up to where we are right now today, and we're going to dive in at, at number 10 today. But I want to run through the 10 potential indicators that we've gone through in these last weeks. So the first was finding yourself comparing your circumstances or your situations with other people and never seeming to really measure up, right? The second was when you feel like you missed out on life's opportunities and now it's too late. The third indicator is that, is that no amount of encouragement is enough to convince you of your worth. Ever feel that? The fourth indicator is when you feel rejected if you're not greeted or acknowledged by leadership, you know, by people in a position of power or authority. Fifth one is that you constantly, constantly seek the approval of others and you suffer from people-pleasing. So in essence, you've lifted the opinions of man onto a throne rather than the opinion of God. The sixth one is that you're easily offended or embarrassed from discipline or correction. The seventh one finds you always trying to prove yourself in public, you know, um, public sort of uh, accolade and proving yourself in public and proving yourself worth become this sort of driving thing in your life bad indicator, big indicator. The eighth one is that you feel like you're on the outside looking in during interactions with people, which is an interesting one because some people actually feel disconnected from themselves when they're dealing with other people. They're not really present. They're not really there. They're basically on the outside of themselves, criticizing themselves or feeling some kind of emotional brokenness, you know, from the outside looking in. The ninth one is when you think that you could do a better job than the current leader or teacher or person in authority, if you were given the opportunity or their position. Now, look, sometimes you may be right about that. Sometimes you may be qualified to do a better job, but it's when that feeling becomes demonically empowered to the point where you can't even learn where you are, you know, to the point where you can't hear, you can't receive, and you can't process with God okay why do I feel I could do a better job? you know am I supposed to or am I just supposed to be here in this experience humbly you know submitting or surrendering to this person who may or may not be the teacher I am, the leader I am the the, the talent that I am you have to really pray about that one and hear from the Lord on that one and the tenth one which I want to dive into today you guys because this is a really big one is when you believe that nobody, understands you or gets what you're going through. <laughs> and I gotta tell you, that was a big part of my life for a long time. Like, mm-hmm. and and sure, in a lot of ways, or in some ways, I, I had people in my life who couldn't understand, you know, what what I was going through. They weren't sexually abused as a child. You know, they weren't raped as a teenager as I was. So how could they really understand? But it got on steroids and I think the demonic empowerment in that 10th indicator was when I really felt that I was rejected in all situations and nobody could understand. I was the only person on the earth who had my feelings, my emotions, my pain, my suffering, my trauma. And and what that does is it makes you isolate inside of yourself. So you're now a self-fulfilling prophecy. So you feel like nobody can understand but you're also not communicating with anybody. You're then not talking to anybody. You're not trying to share what you're going through and actively seek help or seek dialogue and fellowship about it. So you basically then become a person that no one understands because you shut yourself off from other people and their help and their opinions and their guidance. And while it's true that a lot of people may not have gone through the exact similar circumstances that you've gone through in your life, people can understand the generality of pain or suffering, or trauma, or struggle. So girlfriends, (laughs) I'd love to hear from you. Have you ever felt that one?
1: I think the majority of humanity has. (laughs) It's a very relatable feeling and actually, I, I think it's so interesting because I'm like all on TikTok. I love TikTok, and,
2: yeah, <laughs> and like I like your TikToks, with oh,
1: the dance videos. I don't, I, I don't <laughs> even know how to use it or watch it. I don't so I have really it, but it. I see it on her Instagram. Oh, Instagram, I share some of them on Instagram. Okay. But so like I'll be like scrolling through, and what's interesting is that like I've noticed in like this generation, people like to put out there no one gets me, but let me tell you how I feel. And here's like a 15 second video of how I'm suffering and I have mental illness. It's just so interesting to me. I think, I think my mind is just getting blown at how like when I was younger and there wasn't just access to social media and connecting with people and putting yourself out there that it was way more prevalent, I think to feel misunderstood and then to be able to hide away. But I'm almost seeing like this, like opposite response in the midst of, just as much mental, I don't know struggle with mental health, and I'm um, feeling rejected and a lot of brokenness. I'm seeing this almost like this other flip of the coin of like people exposing themselves in front of like millions of people and being like, "People don't get me," but this is what I'm going through. It's so weird. I don't know. It's so this isn't like my experience, but I'm seeing this like shift in the way that that young people are like dealing with this type of rejection is I'm going to, you know, maybe they're like inwardly, like very, like uh, not letting anyone in, but yet on social media, I mean, the amount of like, the amount of videos that I see of like emotional breakdowns. Yeah. I I don't know if you guys have any comments that I think that's just more of a processing of, I'm kind of like, Whoa, this is crazy. Yeah. It's funny
0: when I see that my first thought is, oh, I know what you're going through, but it has little to do with what you're saying you're going through. Yeah. It, it has more to do with why you feel the need to cry for help on social media. Like, because one has nothing to do with the other, really. Mm-hmm. You know? CB?
2: Yeah, you know, I I remember even for example, last year, you know, when I was, you know, during the lockdowns, I was you know, housed with the person that abused me growing up. And I remember when I moved to Thousand Oaks, I felt very alone, I believe, like in my story, because I just was like, you know, how this was a lot of this was happening in real time, you know, a lot of people had, you know, statistics were saying, you know, because of the lockdowns, people are being quarantined with in domestic violence situations and abusive situations. And my situation was happening in real time. And as I was looking around, there wasn't, I met a lot of kids on tour as we were traveling through Idaho and Montana who had experienced what I did, they were like, oh yeah, like CPS was at my house these last few months and the cops came because of domestic violence and because of alcohol and because of abuse, uh, because of statistics, you know, ramped up because everyone's like stuck in the same place. And I remember when I moved to Thousand Oaks, having lost my home for the second time in 15 months, having you know, gone through what I went through, I dealt with this heavily because I, I really would look, I would go to church and look around and I would literally think, wow, I felt like I was an outside looking in, to be honest with you, you know, exactly all of these things that we listed, I probably hit like at least three to four on the list, you know, feeling like no one understood feeling like I was in the outside looking in and that um, caused me to isolate even more and more because those were lies that the enemy fed me of, Oh, if you weren't willing, if your parents didn't think you were worth being there for what makes you think these people think you're worth fighting for, you know, like if, if, you know, and there was just all of these different things, but I would, but during that time I stayed vigilant in, getting on the phone with people who spoke truth to me. And I probably battled those thoughts heavily for a couple months. There was days where the enemy would just say, why don't you just kill yourself? Because who cares? To be honest with you, like that's where, you know, that's where those, those thoughts will take you. Like the enemy would just say like, why don't you just run in the back of the field and blow your brains out? Because I think that's where, if we don't allow, if we don't submit those, especially through our circumstance, like that. and one thing I love about what something that Christine Kane says, she says like, that the truth of God will always override the facts of your circumstance, right? And so for me, being completely abandoned by my, by my family, by my parents, having them choose my abuser who has been completely destructive in my family over me, who's who I've, you know, I've been there so much for my family and really believing, like, wow, like, is this all that I'm worth to them after everything I've I've been through with them? And this is like your blood. This is not even like a friend or a church people. This is like your blood. But I remember hearing that quote from Kristin Kane, and I think it was from her book, Unashamed. But really, what I've realized is that the facts of what I was going through was, you know, I was quarantined with my abuser and all these different things. But the truth was that God loved me so much that he removed me from that situation and put me in a better situation. So even though I was in a really good place, even though I was in a healthy church, healthy community, I really pushed people away for a long time because I was like, You don't understand me. You drive a Tesla and live in a nice house and wear expensive clothes. What do you know about my suffering? But in the process of doing that, I believe it slowed down my healing and it slowed down like, love to flow into those parts of my heart that God really wanted to heal. And now I'm at a point where I've really opened up the doors to my heart. You know, I think I started doing that in December of last year. It took about three months to really just let people in, to really let people love me. And I stopped isolating and I stopped, uh, taking things personally. And I really had to get victory over those thoughts. And today I'm seeing my parents for the first time in five months. And, but it's on my terms of saying, you know what? I don't need anything from you. I don't feel rejected by you anymore. I don't feel abandoned by you anymore. I feel victorious. I feel whole. I feel healed. And I can now meet with you in a middle place in Orange County. You know, parents live in Riverside County. And offer just my time as, oh, I'm going to be in relationship with you. But I don't feel like I need anything from them anymore. So it's still a process. But that spirit of rejection, if it's not... If you don't really battle with scripture, like you, it could lead to thoughts of, you know, the enemy saying, why don't you kill yourself? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Because that's the pattern it leads down if it's not checked. So, yeah,
1: Yeah, I just keep thinking, like, there's this quote where I don't know if it's C.S. Lewis or someone else, but it says that uh, that isolation is the devil's playground And, like, Mm -hmm. isolation really is so dangerous when you start. There's one thing to, like, and, you know, Christina and Cynthia, like, where you have to guard your heart. You can't let everyone in their mama into your heart. You know, there is, like, a healthy line of, like, hey, I don't trust you. I don't know you. Like, I'm not just going to give my heart away. But there's, like, this line where it goes into I'm just going to block everyone out. And I'm not gonna allow anyone to talk to me. I'm gonna hide away in my corner and I'm gonna let these voices have a heyday in my mind. And like you said, like suicidal thoughts are like right around the corner. Cause I felt the same thing in isolation and in and in well, they don't care. They would never know. They're privileged. They're I mean, I hate going down like the race issue, but that's how I felt. I felt like being Asian American living mm-hmm. Asian American living in the Midwest and going through my own issues. I felt very like, I don't belong here. Like, you know what I mean? And it can easily turn into just like isolation is so dangerous, you know? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Oh boy. That's so true. And it's, it's, it's like, you know, I always say it, it's like, it's in, it's in that place of isolation where the enemy's voice is louder than God's voice. You know, Mm -hmm. scripture says, be still and know that I am God. Right, yeah. so there's a there's a place of stillness before God where you can know God, it's you and it's him, and it's it's in it's it's sacred, right, but then there's also that enemy's place, which is very interesting because isolation and stillness are completely different things, mm-hmm. you know right, and like so I just I don't know that just hit me as you were talking, Christina, how isolating hmm is really dangerous you know isolating is i'm going to go over here in this corner and be silent and hide because nobody gets me nobody cares nobody loves me and you know all the enemy all the enemy's voices and statements are on the treadmill you know uh mm-hmm. you're worthless, you're in the isolation your list of failures is magnified and you don't even see your list of successes you know so but in in the place of stillness before god You know, God, you You get to know God, you get to go deeper with him, you get to hear him, you know, And, and I look and I think it's one of the reasons why, you know, we often talk about social media. But I think it's one of the reasons why social media is such a hugely dangerous tool that the enemy can use if you're just out of control always on social media, addicted to social media, using social media to feel like it's a place where you can be understood and affirmed and liked because, I mean, it's no wonder to me that famous people, if you guys remember like in the last couple of years, like Anthony Bourdain and we had all these like successful celebrities and people committing suicide. And then people go, why? I mean, doesn't seem like it. Like this person had, you know, the life and blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, I've experienced fame, you know, in, in, in the sense of, you know, being known by people and success. And now you're on television and, you know, you're living your dreams on the outside. But on the inside, you're, you realize you feel totally alone and isolated on the inside. And I remember, I you know, I before I really dropped to my knees and surrendered to the Lord and, and started inner healing and really changing my life, I remember I said to a friend of mine, I said, "I'm the loneliest person on the planet, and I'm surrounded by thousands of people all the time." And that was a really scary place for me because of course I felt suicidal. How could you not? If you feel like Mm -hmm. nobody gets it, I'm totally alone, even though all these people are around me, most of the people that we surround ourselves with anyway, if we're struggling on the inside with a lot of these issues are not people that really care about us or they're not people Mm -hmm. that really help us, you know, to grow in a relationship with Christ. Well, look, I mean, in the world we live in today, you know, if you don't make a concentrated effort to stop surrender and root yourself in the family of God, what are you rooted in? You know, the
2: family of the world Mm -hmm.
0: and, you know.
2: Yeah. And it is, I believe, I believe that as you continue, like, like for me, the enemy knows that, You know, even going back to what Christine Kane, you know, saying, you know, that it was like the enemy had an assignment on her life from the time she was young, you know, and I really identified with that. Because at this point in my life, you know, throughout my life, the enemy has thrown, you know, to destroy me, he's thrown rape, he's thrown eating disorders, you know, depression, he's thrown, you know, like church stuff, you know, it's almost like you're running a race and then he'll just throw stuff at you to take you out like an arrow, but you just get up and keep going. And he's like, okay, that didn't work. I'm going to try her family now. Oh, that really didn't work. And so for me, it's like, sometimes enemies like just take them out completely because if you just keep going, the attacks on your life over time, like the attacks on my life over time have only ever gotten worse and worse and worse. I'm really crazy, which is why I'm so vigilant to guard my life. And I have people in my life that will come and, pull me out of my house you know if, if needed. And so that's why it's so important to stay in the word and I recognize from afar when those thoughts are starting to come, when the enemy is is starting to put those thoughts in my mind of why don't you just go and blow your brains out? Why don't you just go and do this? Why don't you just go and do that? And I'm very honest about that because for me, depression doesn't take me out. Anxiety doesn't take me out. Panic attacks doesn't take me out. But if you commit suicide, I mean, obviously you're gone, you know? So just realizing that the enemy attacks different people in different ways. And anytime the enemy wants to attack me, I sense that spirit of suicide from like, you know, and it's starting to come from the distance. And I'm like, oh no. And I just rebuke it in Jesus' name because if I lay down and let that thing take over, um. I'll be buried somewhere. You know what yeah. I'm saying? If we're all honest. So, yeah. Yeah. But rejection leads to that. The spirit of rejection okay. lead, like almost invites the spirit of suicide, you know? So if we don't deal with the spirit of rejection, it will invite their friends.
0: Yeah. You know? yeah. So yeah. Totally. totally. You, you know, I think it's so interesting, you guys, um, that suicide is the place that we go. You know, it's like, yeah. I think, I think, I think a lot of people at some point have like struggle with the thought or the thought will come in and, and out quickly or slowly, no matter how much you, you know, and how far you go into the struggle. It's interesting to me that suicide is so prevalent today and that the more we've taken God out of the dialogue, the more we've eliminated Christ as an amazing savior to offer to people, you know, the more that, it, prayer has been driven out of schools, the more the more secular our nation has become and our nations have become, the the more the spirit of suicide has grown. You know, young people committing suicide, uh, transgender and gay gay people, um, the suicide rates are super high. And I, I I, you know, I've I've had this dialogue with transgender people before who, you know, basically there's a euphoria that happens. Like you fight to like change yourself, to believe whatever you're being told about your identity. That's, that's not the identity God birthed you with. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's like you fight, 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 able to live authentically and to be able to do what you want to do in your truth. And then they'll go through a, a lot of them that I've spoken to male and female will go through, the the process, the sex change process. And there's a euphoria when they finally do it because they feel happy. They feel like they've now gotten in their real body. They're now the authentic person on the outside that they want to be. The scary thing is that a hundred percent of them all experience the passing of the euphoria and the onset of the reality that you may be able, you may have changed your body. But wherever you go, there you are. Your issues are Mm. still the same. You know, you don't get delivered from your issues. Straight, gay, transgender, black, white, yellow, brown, red. You don't get delivered from your issues because you change the color of your skin or the sex of your body. Whatever you're struggling with on the inside, whatever spirit of rejection, whatever enemies that you're dealing with that are causing you to want to kill yourself, to feel that you are misunderstood, to struggle so greatly with the pain and fear that you struggle with, whatever it is, like you have that. Those emotions don't have a color or a sex attached to them. They're real. And the only thing that can deliver you through that and from that is really and truly to get on your face and confront the Lord, your creator. What's your identity? you know as determined by god who are you you know and look i mean it, it's not a surprise to me that this this always leads us back to the question of identity you know um we struggle right like it it does we struggle so much with all of these things because we don't have a firm grasp and a firm commitment to our identity i think i think it, I think really there's like, you can, for, for all of you watching, you can understand your identity in Christ, but like for me, a firm commitment to my identity in Christ because they're different. Right. So like, and that's like one of the indicators was you never, you know, no matter how much everybody tells you how great you are, you just don't believe it. Well, that's because I think you can hear everything God says about your identity. You know, the, the word of God says I'm more than a conqueror. Right. The word of God says, you know, with God, all things are possible. The word of God says, I am the first and not the last. The word of God says, I'm an overcomer. I'm an achiever. You know, it's like all these things. The word of God says that I'm part of his family. I'm an heir, you know, to the promises of God. I'm a daughter. You know, my father is a king. Like The word of God tells you all these incredible things. But at some point I realized in my own journey and I realized watching other people, like you can hear this stuff, but the reason you don't believe it is you're not making a commitment to believing it. And I, when I, whenever I feel a struggle, it's like you said, Christina uh, Boudreaux was so, you can feel it coming from far off. It's true, right? Like you start to feel like, oh, here comes that struggle. Oh, here comes that voice. Oh, here comes that feeling, that emotion. Okay. Now, the more mature you get as a believer, you do see it that way. And here it comes. And it's like, okay, now what am I going to do in response to that? Now, sometimes the answer is, I want this pity party. I'm going in. Sometimes the answer is, you know what? I know what that is. I don't have time for that. Ain't nobody got time for you, right? And you shut it down and you shut it out and you go to the word of God. You know what to do. You call yeah. a girlfriend, you call a friend, you call a pastor, you fellowship with someone. You confront it, you get it out in the open. You don't isolate, you you speak it out because when you speak things out anyway, you tend to put to death the things that are born in isolation. You know, It's like your spoken word and you're, hey, this is what I'm struggling with automatically allows you to bring it into the light yeah the light it's exposed as something that's from the dark not from the light oh, that is
1: so good can i just say about that whole the whole issue of like yeah keeping something in the dark that along with isolate that that goes hand in hand with isolation i think a lot of the times we isolate is because there's a lot of shame uh you feel ashamed you feel misunderstood but it's really because you feel like oh the rejection, you know, there's just so much shame involved in rejection. And then even over these last few months, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, sin even. I mean, agreeing with rejection is sin. Agreeing with self-hatred is sin. You know, mm. agreeing with the fact that agreeing with the lie that I am worthless. That How dare, how dare I? You know what I mean? But like, mm. I love what you said about bringing it to the light. And there is a place to go. I need to speak this out loud. I need to go to my husband and be like, babe, today I feel ugly. I feel worthless. I feel like a failure. And it's interesting because there is power in speaking out these things, almost confessing them in a way of like, I've been agreeing with this. Cause there's something about speaking out loud and you get it out of your head and out of your imagination, you know, your thought life. And it almost breaks the power of it. I don't know if you ladies have felt that or for yeah. example, <laughs> if I've had a crazy yeah. dream, that like, Oh my God, my husband was cheating on me. I could be in this world of like emotions. That's all fantasy. And I could all I have to do is say it. And I laugh. There's yeah. something about bringing things into light and nothing good comes about covering yeah. darkness, about keeping something hidden out of shame or fear. Like I have not seen anything good come out of that. And that goes for we won't go there, but that goes for other things too. That just it's standard. Don't keep things yeah. hidden. And there's no shame in voicing out the lies for in order for you to go, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I've been believing that or agreeing with that. It's amazing what will happen.
0: Right there. You know, I take it very seriously when Solomon r- writes, there is nothing new under the sun. Yeah. There is nothing new under the sun. There right. is no struggle. There is no thought there is no experience that is shocking to God. Right. God's mm-hmm. not seen that one yet. Oh my goodness. And that's where the yeah. lie of nobody understands me is, is laughable when you really get into it. Of course you're under, first of all, you're understood by God. He sees all, comprehends all, knows all, and is way yeah. to bring him all so he can deal with all, you know, mm-hmm. but he also has people and there are people around you that, you just got to start opening up and getting the stuff mm-hmm. out. You know, Christina, it's like crazy because you, the second you, you you know, get it out of your mouth. I, I remember, look, I used to struggle with something that was really bizarre. And I was really convinced nobody else went through this one. Um, and when my husband and I first got married. Uh, because I was sexually abused as a little girl, raped as a teenager. So for those for some of you who know my testimony, Christina and Christina and I have very similar you know some similar things that we've dealt with in the, in in terms of sexual abuse. So when I got married be because sex, now I also i I got married after being celibate with my husband four years, but for many, many years after my abuse and before my marriage, I was not celibate. And as a matter of fact, I really learned to use sex to control guys and protect my heart and it's like you know I don't know some of you may have heard the old saying you know men love for sex and women use sex for love and it's true you know I really just wanted to be loved so you know you think well the guy's not going to love me if I don't have sex with him so I had sex because I really wanted the love Stupid, but you know, you're not stupid. I wasn't stupid, it was just a stupid thought, a lie that I believed because I hadn't tested God's truth out. And when I really tested God's truth out and chose to do it differently, I found the right man. He it it changed my life, it was all better, you know. But in any case, it's like you can go down this path of believing so many different lies and you look up and you realize you're living in a world of deceit, you know? And um, anyway, I, I, I was going off on a tangent there because I, I think it's, it's it's really powerful to speak things out. And at, at a certain point early in my marriage, because of the brokenness of my past sexually, I used to literally get attacked by a demon that would have sex with me in the night. And I, and, and I could physically experience everything and the world would call it a lot of things. I know what it was. It was demonic. It was not invited by me, but I, I was, I I mean, I dreaded going to sleep because it was like, wait a minute, I've just gotten married. I'm in a very healthy relationship. And, and, and why am I feeling this? You know, why is this happening? Why am I waking up? And I will have been raped essentially by a spirit that I could feel that would attach himself to the face or the image or the likeness of someone from my past. Well, for the the longest, I didn't say anything because I thought, how do I say this to my husband? He'll never get like, he'll never get this. I don't know what's wrong with me. I I can't believe this is happening. I've made all these choices to live for you, Lord. And am I asking for this? Am I inviting this? Am I ever going to be whole and healthy? Why? What is this? And the more that I kept it in, the worse it got. And finally, just one day I was like, and you guys know Roger, my husband. And I, I mean, and our relationship is built on, I mean, I've just been able to say anything and everything to him. So one day I just said to him, wake up. I have to tell you something. So he woke up and I told him, I said, there's something happening to me at night. And this is what it is. And he goes, oh, yeah. He goes, yeah, that's demonic. He didn't like shun me or reject me. He wasn't shocked or surprised, because he'd heard it before from other people who'd experienced sexually abuse, sexual abuse in counseling with them or in prayer work with them. and all of a sudden I realized, oh, the enemy wanted me to keep this in and silent and on the down low so that he could destroy me from the inside out. Okay.
2: So this but, lady who's on here saying she was raped by a demon.
0: But now but now that it was out there, right now that it was out there that I was experiencing something in my sleep it's like all of a sudden it was powerless. All of a sudden it stopped because I took authority over the enemy. I'm like, Satan, I reject whatever this spirit is that's trying to make me feel like you're raping me or having sex with me in the middle of the night. Um, I think some people probably have called it like, you know, called it with men, uh, other kinds of dreams, but I actually think it's all very spiritual. So in any case, once it became powerless over me, I realized it was a tool in my hand. Because now when I counsel with other women who are sexually abused, nine, nine times out of 10, those women have, are experiencing the same thing and guys too. And it's such a trip because I have zero shame about getting stuff out anymore because I know that there are people all around the world who are experiencing the same things, who have gone through the same things, and God is on the throne He's never off the throne. He's never shocked. He's just waiting for us to get those things out and to realize the power we have over those things in our life because of Christ who lives in us and the fact that we're able to do all things through him who strengthens us. So, you know, I, I don't know if either one of you have ever gone through that, but it's it was crazy. I,
1: I can definitely relate. I, I don't think you're the only person, especially when I was like newly saved as well and lived like a pretty crazy lifestyle prior to like giving my life to the Lord, I've had, I think I even called you one night because I was so traumatized. And I don't know if you remember, this was years ago. Like, uh, maybe, how long have I known you? I don't know. But it was like, like seven or eight years ago. How long have I known you? I can't remember, but it was really bad. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I remember I called you and I was just like, I don't know what to do. Like, I feel traumatized and and, and I don't know how, because I've been making decisions and living for the Lord. For x amount of years i'm married i have kids like what is going on i feel tormented but it really did come i had to reach out to you i had to talk to my husband and i had to actually walk through i had to confront it and walk through healing so this lady you know? was on
2: here saying she was raped by a demon was this after she was saved oh i'm sorry i had a friend that just sent me a question about, you know, about what you're talking about. It's like the spirit of incubus and succubus. And we've talked about yeah. that, you know, what you experienced. Yeah. So yeah. her question is, did it happen before you were saved or after you were saved? Oh, after I was saved. After It happened yeah,
0: before I was saved, but it also happened mm-hmm. after I was saved. And And mm-hmm. that's actually a great question. And it's a good question because yeah. a lot of times you listen in church to church doctrine, church theology, that mm-hmm. will say things like, Well, a saved Christian can't be demonized. Oh, really? Well, I was. Mm -hmm. So so tell me that my truth isn't true. And I'll tell you that's wrong because my truth is my truth, right? Mm -hmm. So um, and I've met tons of people who are saved, who experience these things and they don't want to talk about it because of Mm -hmm. parts of the body of Christ or the church that say this stuff can't happen. Really? Yes, it can. I mean, I can, I mean, we could go all day long on stories of stuff that can happen to saved people after they're saved. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah totally it, before and after I was saved and it didn't. And I think that's because the brokenness was still there. I was saved. Right. I was saved, but I still had the brokenness of my past. I still had doors to close. I still had things I needed to confront in the name of Jesus with the power of Christ now and the knowledge of God in me and, and knock those things out, you know, and shut those doors and take authority over those enemies. And, and it's uh, to me, you know, my husband often explains it as like being a boxer. So like you're a boxer, Mm -hmm. you get in the ring. God's, God has trained you. You've trained for months. It's now time for the fight. You put, and, mm-hmm. and, and then a lot of times we go, "Oh my God, I don't know what's happening. God, please help me." While you're taking punch after punch after punch, and God's like, "No, I trained you. You have the boxing gloves. Put them on. Pow! Knock mm-hmm. this issue out." And that's that's by the way, part of getting things out and not feet, not yeah. going to a place of isolation and feeling like nobody gets you or nobody gets it or yeah. understands. Part of that is. Part of that is why you put the boxing gloves on and you knock mm-hmm. the issue out by talking about it by getting yeah. it out and calling it to the mat,
2: yeah, yeah, so my friend my friend's question uh she's sorry, she just has a follow up um is a lot of people believe that you can't get oppressed or harmed by demons once you get saved, um let alone raped by demons can you um can you clarify that
0: yeah, um It's sort of, I think, doctrinal differences, theology differences. Like, you know, for example, uh, my husband's mentor, one of his mentors was Chuck Smith, who started the Calvary Chapel movement, right? And at Calvary, I mean, they believe in in large part, I'm making big generalizations, but that Christians can't be demonized. Well, but when they get difficult cases, they send them to my husband, uh, of course, who are demonized, right? So- Mm -hmm. Um, My husband dealt with a woman who was saved, who actively was leading people in gangs to Christ by the boatloads. She had an incredible ministry, incredible calling on her life, yet she was getting bloody symbols on her arms, um, stuff that would appear on her walls in her house and then appear on her body um, demonic symbols. She was being raped, secubus, incubus, these spirits at night, all manner of stuff was happening. It was so crazy that I actually, when my husband was working with her going through doing inner healing and trying to deal with this with a man that he does a lot of this kind of work with named Jim Hanley, pastor Jim, pastor Jim actually went through my inner healing with me first. And then my husband took over at a certain point, but, um, when they were dealing with this issue, I literally told my husband, okay, you can't talk about it in the house because it was so right. way out there. And it's stuff that Christians just don't talk about, but, mm-hmm. but it was happening, it was happening yeah. with this incredible woman of God. So yeah. yeah, through the course of victory, breakthrough, fall back, victory, breakthrough, yeah. three more attacks, victory, breakthrough, 10 more attacks. It finally came out in prayer one day. She admitted that she had had a boyfriend when she was younger that she would have sex with. And he would like he would pretend that the bed was a ritual altar and called himself the prince of Satan, the, the prince of darkness. That was his nickname. It was like she was so embarrassed and ashamed to ever tell anyone that. Mm. So she kept it. She just kept it. And wow. year, now two years into them trying to help her and not understanding why are we not getting a total breakthrough over this issue? She finally confesses this one day and literally confessed it, prayed over it. It finally stopped.
1: Come on. Um, so I love yeah. Can I just just because I'm going through such a serious season of healing right now is mm-hmm. like I, I think there's a there's a difference in like oppression can be intense. I mean, look at Job. He, I mean, God let Satan test him, killed Mm -hmm. his family, afflicted him with boils. I mean, that is biblical. You know what I mean? Um, So like, I think there's a difference between oppression and possession. And I think maybe the amount of oppression is also, I, I don't quote me on this, but based upon like your agreement with something, or if there's a brokenness or a situation where you opened up yourself Yes, you're not acting that out, but there is a part of you that was opened up to that. And like you said, Cynthia, shutting that door is really important because I'm even finding now like, oh my gosh, like almost 15 years into walking with the Lord now, like these little moments in my childhood that I said, I will never let this happen again, or this is the only way to protect myself. And then the way that it's expressed is in ways that I would have never known, like how it's affecting Mm -hmm. me now is completely blowing my mind. Yeah. so that's that's I just want to kind that's what I think the clarification because yeah possession means that you are inviting it or you yeah. make these decisions for a very long period of time mm-hmm. to where you basically have invited it and then yeah. oppression can sometimes I think look like possession but there's a, a marked difference. does that yes. make
0: sense
1: Yeah that's
0: that's yeah that's good and yeah. This, th- yeah this lady was definitely it's interesting she was oppressed in some ways but then there was a possession that was going on in some ways too and and she didn't even you know it's interesting i don't think she wanted to be secretive but that lie of the enemy that nobody's going to get this is mm-hmm. so powerful that it's like you tell the you tell 99% of the truth but that 1% is just too ugly for the, for everybody else to oh. hear
1: yeah
0: you know yeah. and it's like it's like, oh, you know, that is, it's the enemy. It's just. So
1: is, is that almost, can you almost say that like hiddenness, even to for a small little thing is almost the same as agreement? I mean, is it safe to say that? I mean, wow, I mean, I don't want to get super technical because I don't think God is technical at all. No, but I that's really
0: he's... good. That's really good, Christina, because, you know, we can say things out of our mouths and not realize we're partnering with the enemy. Over our mm-hmm. life, you know, or right. over a situation or a hope or a dream or whatever, you know, every time you say, which is what this spirit of rejection does. I'm so stupid. Well, I'm too fat or I'm not talented enough or I don't have enough of this. I don't have enough of that. Really? Why are you continuously part of the enemy? Right. It's James, the power of life and death are in the tongue. And I'm not mm-hmm. talking about the power of positive confession. I believe I can fly. Therefore, I will. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about being your own God. I'm talking about truly the power of life and death are in the tongue. And you need to prayerfully watch what you say because you can say things that agree and covenant with the enemy. Now, it's interesting the question you asked, Christina, because, hmm, I mean, it could be a little bit of both. Maybe,
1: hmm.
0: What do you think?
1: I, I, like I said, I hate to, I hate it like, now that I'm older in the faith. I just hate it when people are like, it's only this way. And this goes for everybody. You know what I'm saying? Cause I don't think God is like that. Right. But what I've been realizing in my journey of healing is like, wow. Like it may, it made like this lady that you're talking about. It may be a memory or, or even like a situation that you forgot about. Cause it's been so long ago. But that still gives access, you know what I'm saying? So I think there is a reason as to why David is like, you know, Psalm 139, search me and know me and like, let me know if there's anything in me, any presumptuous sin, anything that's grievous to your heart that I don't even know about. Because I mean, I know you guys know, like when you're, when you experience trauma, a lot of the time you just a natural survival instinct will block it out. Yeah. There's a lot of things I don't remember, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, but it really yeah. does take the Holy Spirit, like bringing those things up. And I don't think that the oppression, I think when the oppression starts like rearing its ugly head, it's like, oh, okay, good. Now I can deal with it. Cause I don't think we're always aware of every little thing that we did or, right. or made agreement with, because for one, it's all under the blood Two, I don't remember a lot of
0: things on yeah, purpose, uh-huh. yeah. you know? Yeah, a lot of look. It is a coping mechanism that a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people who are abused or traumatized in some way block it out. I mean, I used to. It's really crazy when I was going through inner healing for a lot of Mm -hmm. these issues. I used to. I there was a point when we would go into something where I would fall asleep, literally.
1: Like we're sitting
0: here, and all of a sudden I just go to sleep, and it was totally demonic. It was totally demonic. I I would get exhausted and fall asleep. And it was like, because Satan is so tricky, he will do anything to keep you from walking through the door called breakthrough. Like yeah. anything, yeah. right? Like yeah, it's, it's so stupid. It's like, really? I'm yeah. going to fall asleep? It's 12 noon, you know? Or like yeah. it's in the morning. And it would, yeah. would would always happen. So then we would start to pray and reject the spirit of tiredness that would come against me. And then I could get through a session, you know, or, or yeah. what happened. And yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I do believe Christina that, and it's funny, you said, you know, you mentioned David search my heart, Lord, you know, search out the deepest cracks inside of me. That is a prayer that I pray. I try to pray. A, I try to at least pray a couple times a year. And the reason why I say a couple times a year is because that is a heavy prayer. Because whenever I ask God, show me my hidden sin, show me what's hiding in the dark crevices of my heart and my mind, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will start to reveal and show stuff to me so that I can repent of it. And it's powerful yeah. it and sometimes be exhausting and shocking, yeah. but it is totally because stuff does hide in those cracks and crevices, and I do think you're right in the sense. I wanted to hear what you really, what you kind of were thinking first, because I, because I, 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 I agree. God made us all different. I mean, I just look at even, even us on Girl Club. I mean, Nova's Nova's blonde, like surfer chick from California. You're like, you know, hot Asian chick, Christina Boudreaux's hot Indian chick, and I'm black mama. You know, so I'm like, yeah think we're so different. And I, I know I have girls watching from all over the world, right? And we're all different. So if God made us all different, while the word of God is absolute, the way the Holy Spirit uses, I think the word and communicates with us and the love language we have with the Lord is totally different for each one of us. So, you know, I think the absolute truth would be, we can keep things hidden inside they can be known to us certain sin or certain open doors we can recognize and know that it's there or we cannot know that it's there yeah and that's going to play itself out differently for each of us mm-hmm. but the absolute truth is still those things are causing the are allowing the enemy to be able to to you know run rampant in your life so i think you're right i think that there are things that we can make agreement with You know, so confronting Mm. sin and asking God, hey, show me what's hidden here. Show me the enemies that are at work in my life. Show me because I want Mm. to get it out. I want to confront it. I want Mm. I don't want there to be sin in me. You know,
1: doors. Right. So there's. I just want to address one comment because I think it's really important before we end. Yeah. Carly said, "How can we look at this in a way to not walk in fear?" To be honest, I want to hide under my bed after this. And I just want to say, Carly, that was don't, that,
2: don't that was my friend out. that was texting me. Oh, I just want to say, yeah. Carly, no, don't Carly. Yo,
1: Carly. Like we're just we're just addressing the fact that this stuff happens. But like, like just like what Cynthia was saying, like asking the Lord to expose these things just brings them to light so that you can repent of them. And then forgive the people involved. And I tell you, in that moment, there's breakthrough. Like there's so much power in repentance. And I've been learning this. It's been like a really difficult, but like amazing journey of just, I feel like every morning, I was just telling Anna, our friend who's a part of Girl Club, that every morning for like this month, I've been just repenting, just on my face, repenting for like bitterness judgment in my heart for the way that I treated my husband for just how I've been harboring anger towards my neighbor or this or that or whatever. And let me tell you, there's so much freedom because when you humble yourself and you bring yourself before the Lord and you just say, forgive me for this. I mean, He, he's running to you with open arms and he covers you. And it really is that that is the shutting of the door is when you repent and when you forgive and you allow the Lord's love to come and wash you. That's all that it is. So we have victory. Like there you don't have to fear these things. You know, I know it can sound a little bit scary or like oh my gosh, I'm feeling oppressed as well, but you have to remember like Cynthia said and like the word says, we are more than conquerors in Christ who loves us. He has already overcome the world. Therefore, we can and will overcome the world. So I don't want anyone to leave today being freaked out about the demonic or what our open doors can allow in our lives, because at the end of the day, Christ is stronger and his blood speaks a better word. So Ooh. I know you guys all have more to say, but I'm like, don't want anyone to be freaked out. Cause there's no reason to be freaked out. We have the power. It's Christ in us, you
0: know, Christ in us, our hope of glory. And you know, it's so it, Christine, I'm so happy you said this because RT Kendall, um, who has been on, my session show on TBN regularly, RT is like, you know, an 80 something year old scholar, man of God, amazing. He w- was over the Church of England and gave like communion to the queen for many, many years, right? So RT is like just a gem. And RT always says, remember when you're talking about the demonic, that God is still more powerful. So mm-hmm. yes, the demonic is at work. We live in a fallen world. I mean hello it ain't fallen to Christ it's fallen to Satan. So in all of that though Christ in us our hope of glory. Christ in us our victory. You know, Christ in us our protector, our provider, our healer, our deliverer, our conqueror. You know, in him in him do we trust. And it's like I I I just I don't know. You just you're you're right. Like Christina, thank you for mentioning it cuz you We can't forget that. You can't forget that. You can't forget. You can't hide under your bed, Carly, because, um, you know, under your bed is not your protection. The fact that you're a blood bought Christian and that you love the Lord and that you got Christina Boudreaux to fellowship with, girlfriend, there's nothing to fear (laughs) but fear itself. Like, seriously. And fear is the opposite of faith. And, you know, I always say to people, I was always terrified of the book of Revelation, right? I didn't want to read about the demons and the dragons and the and the end times. I was afraid of it. And I think a lot of Christians actually, that's like a book. They're like, whoa. But that is the only book in the Bible that promises a special blessing to all who read it. And when I actually years ago studied the book of Revelation with my husband and my son, and that turned into studying it with a lot of my son's friends, And that turned into the entire cheerleading squad at his university getting saved. Half the athletes in his university getting saved a Bible study blowing up in our home and all these young people coming together to pray for healing. Like the athletes didn't go to doctors first. They came to our living room to pray for healing first. Like that changed my life. It led me into ministry. Like everything about my life changed. And when I, when I read the book of Revelation, I realized, oh, my gosh, I had nothing to fear because we win. This book is about how we win. It's not about how we lose and how the demons demonize us and how the dragons attack us and how, you know, everything goes to crazy and the nations fight against each other and the antichrist is here. And, oh, my goodness, it's it's it, it's like it's like, yeah, all this stuff is going to happen. And let me tell you something, guys, I'm so big and bad that this is how i'm going to take care of you this is what i'm going to do for you this is how i'm going to show up and this is how we win and this yeah. is how we fight our battles by knowing the truth and allowing the truth to set us free so carly girlfriend get from under your bed and 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 confront that stuff because the more you confront it the freer you get the more mm-hmm. powerful you are the happier you are you know mm-hmm. and 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 honestly you know god the, The enemy doesn't want us to confront anything. He wants us to be isolated. He wants us to feel like no one understands us so that we can just kind of keep our issues and stay in the corner and he can wreak havoc with us and he can torture us and he can poke into those places and those fears and and get victory over us. No, no. The reason why he wants that is because as you get free from those things, God turns those things into a weapon that you use against the kingdom of darkness. So your calling and your purpose and your battle plan is in confronting these things, never isolating and knowing, knowing, hear me, that there are a lot of people who understand what you're going through.
2: They get it. We get it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it is. I mean, that's what I love about what you're saying, Cynthia, is that there's a difference between oppression and possession. I lived in a house with a witch for two years, who is who was doing higher up witchcraft with her quote unquote wife, and who would do spells, spells and curses in the house. And I remember there was a day that I walked past, you know, her room, and every and there there came a day where when I first moved back in, you know, with this family member who was my abuser, who was also doing witchcraft, um, that. I would sense it, you know, I, I would sense like demonic attacks at night, like oppression, like, you know, there'd be nights where I would wake up and I couldn't breathe because I felt something on me. But there came a day where the Lord reminded me that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Mm-hmm. And finally came a day where I walked past her room and she wouldn't even look at me in the eyes because the Lord reminded me that my, my angels are bigger than her demons and my Woo! Jesus is bigger than her mm-hmm. devil. And there has to come a point where you don't live in fear. Right. And to this day, it was like, you know, I remember she had walked into my mom's church like two years ago. Right. And there was this lady giving a testimony and she was like, oh, like uh, she has a very strong like aura. But no, when people are involved in witchcraft and India the cult, they recognize when there's a power, when someone has a, a power that is greater than theirs. Mm-hmm. And I remember a friend of mine who is a who is a Calvary Chapel youth pastor at Calvary Chapel Whittier. Um his name's Elijah. He's awesome, really awesome guy. He's married now and he does a lot of he's like doing big things on the political like realm. He actually has a YouTube channel called um I forgot what it's called, but I'll plug it. But anyways, yeah. I remember he he texted me one day because, you know, we were talking about like some stuff and he just said, you know, Christina, I walked into this occult store today and a witch looked at me and said, if only Christians knew the power they had access to coming from yeah. a witch.
1: Yeah. And it's
2: like even the witches, even the demonic, they recognize that as soon as we understand our authority in Christ, mm. like as soon as we pick up our sword and know who's on our side, Like my new tattoo, you know, it's if like, if you were any braver, you would be a lioness, like from Chronicles of Narnia. Like you have to look at that scene from that movie, you know, when Lucy is on one side of the river and the entire army is on the other side. And it's this little girl versus this entire army and Aslan comes alongside of her and she just has this small sword, but all he had to do was roar and this entire army was defeated. Like that's who we are. That's who we stand with. So like, And, and so it's like, you don't have to fear these things and you don't have to fear the demonic and and run away because they're all under the feet of Jesus. And the enemy is going to attack different people in different ways. Like for Cynthia, that was her attack. For me, my attack was, Christina, you should just go blow your brains out. For someone else, their attack is cutting. For someone else, the attack is going to be the enemy breaking up their marriage. And so you don't have to fear these things coming into your life because the enemy has a different strategy for each person, and for mm-hmm. so for Cynthia, that was the enemy strategy for her. The enemy has a different strategy for me, yeah. so um, I just want to clarify that. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. amen,
0: amen C B, and you know, I'm, I'm, my, um, my heart goes out to this question from Veronica. Um, she's asking, how do you find someone to talk through everything with? Mm-hmm if you're not married, well, you know, I'm, I'm Christina, I'm gonna let you answer that because, but I, CB, but I am gonna say this much, cause I know Christina Reynolds and I probably have some insight into this. Like, sometimes I um, am better off speaking to uh, someone else, you know, and not my husband. Cause sometimes yeah. a, a woman may understand in a different way or, you know, so you don't have to be married and who can you speak to, man, you can, you can speak for, first of all, write us an email, you guys, hello at Cynthia And like, seriously, if someone Veronica is you're vibing with and you, one of us will take the time to like, to answer you or to get back to you. I mean, part of the reason why I love these girls on girl club and why I am so passionate about this forum is because, these are real chicks, man. They're like my real sisters in Christ. And and I know that every week when I come together with them, my week is impacted. My day is changed, you know, because of their knowledge and their depth in the word and their, their the depth of how much they love the Lord. So we're here for you. Also, Veronica, I don't know if you have a pastor or a great church or someone around you, um, but they're there. You know, maybe, maybe if the pastor's a man and you feel like you want to talk to a woman, like seek, you know, really pray, ask God, Hey, bring me a, a, a mature sister in Christ, you know, cause you do want to be prayerful about who you start allowing to speak into what you're going through. Make sure you can trust that person's walk with the Lord. Make sure that, you know, you're, you're safe. You're in a safe place, um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, if you've got an email or a question or a thought or something, I'm look, I'll share it with the girls, you know, and and, and I'm sure we can take the time or something to kind of just share back with you our experiences. Um, but Christina Boudreaux isn't married, you know, so where do you plug in? The whosoevers might be a great place to plug in. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, honestly... Like a lot of people think that if you're single, that you're alone and you're not surrounded by people. To be honest with you guys, I have more people in my camp than a lot of my married friends do. Yeah. Because you can't. Because I can. (laughs) Yeah. I have time and availability. Like, like my friends that are married with kids. It's like, dude, like that is like, you're like your kids and your husband. Like, that's like that that's around the clock. It's not a job that you clock in and clock out for me. I can leave ministry. I can leave my photo shoots. I can Mm -hmm. leave conversations and it's me and the Lord. Like I spent the entire day yesterday, just really resting from a lot of the grind I've been in and a lot of the grind I'm about to enter in the next couple weeks. I just spent the entire day just in prayer, journaling in the word. Like that's just the availability of singleness. And that's, that's going to end one day but I have a lot of people in my camp to where I have like four different women I could go to. I have like, you know, my whosoever squad. I have friends that are solid and I have like multiple people in my life that if I'm dealing with certain things, I have like a whole database to choose from, you know, which are like people that I've walked with me for a long time. And so find a mentor, find people at church, find, You don't bare your soul to people you don't know, but just find people that are trustworthy. Um, Your spouse isn't always... There's going to be things when I'm married that I'm probably not going to go to my spouse about. Yeah, There's probably things you guys go through that Roger's or your husband's probably not the first person that you're like, oh, hey, you know, I feel kind of fat today, you know? You probably go to your girlfriend's, you know? So it's like build... And your singleness, build a community so that when you're married that community is like your, like, that's your camp of people that are guarding you while you're married. Cause if you drop all your friends and your singleness, once you get into a relationship and the only person you have is your spouse, like that's really sad. Like you need people.
0: Yeah. And it can be very unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, part of the formation of your identity includes those brothers and sisters in Christ that the Lord has put around you and you want to bring your spouse into that you know yeah. um into mm-hmm. that completeness and that wholeness that you yeah. have found already prior you know um love uh the all the all the big hollywood movies that teach us so much wrong like you know when renée Zellweger looks at tom cruise and in in show, in uh, uh i can't even remember the name of the movie but she says you complete me you know, and it's like, oh, I want that person who completes me. We all buy into the fantasy, but it's like, you know, that's cute. However, you better be complete before you meet the other person because Mm -hmm. two halves don't make a hole. Two holes though, make a powerful weapon in the army of God. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, Veronica, I hope that, you know, we answered your question and, and you guys, you know, thanks for being so active. We love when you're active and you're popping in questions and you um this has been interesting you guys like i'm always surprised when we're teaching and fellowshipping to see what strikes a nerve and it's interesting to see how deeply this sort of conversation about demonic attack is striking a real big nerve in so many of you today so a we may need to spend some more time just or or maybe we'll get into some teaching on actually, you know, dealing with demonic attack. Um, it all kind of stems from some place of brokenness and open doors or portals you've allowed in your life. And, yo, let me just say this. Like, it's legal now to smoke marijuana in a lot of the United States. Right. On a state level. Just because something is legal or acceptable socially acceptable. It's still not acceptable in my opinion, because there's all kinds of stigma and all kinds of conversation we can have about that, but it does not mean that it's acceptable to God. So, and it does not mean that it's not just part of the plan of the enemy to keep you feeling like nobody understands you and isolated. I mean, you know, marijuana and drugs still isolate you from being completely present in the Holy spirit with God in your day. And so anything that takes you away from that is demonic and is going to be used to open demonic doors in your life. Trust me, you know? Um, So you want to close those doors, you know? So, you know, we live in a society that tells us premarital sex is fine. You know, Uh, I mean, I have a baby sister I love to death and, you know, she'll make jokes often about like, no, I got to test the bicycle before I buy it. You know, I got to ride it first. And I'm like, you know, I didn't get the real relationship with someone who really loved me and honored me until I tested everything about life and let the bicycle sit in the garage until we were married (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, and the bicycle was fine you know what I mean? It worked just great. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and you, you find that out on your wedding night and you discover it and it's like, oh wow. Then you go into a deeper season of communicating and we bring so much brokenness, you know, to the table because of our lives. So, um, and that brokenness is all about, you know, uh, the enemy using it. He loves to use that stuff. So, um, you know, yeah, let's, you know, let's kind of, close right here for this week. Um, But if you're dealing with that 10th indicator, you know, and you're feeling like misunderstood and nobody gets it, I hope that what you take from today is that we get a lot and we understand a lot right here at Girl Club and that there are so many people out there. We are telling you because we've each walked into groups and we've each walked into situations and discovered that our brokenness and our story and our testimony was not unique. There are a lot mm. of people around the world dealing with the same things. So right. find some peace and freedom in that man, open up about your stuff. And next week, I, I think I want us to spend some time talking about, okay, now what can I do some practical mm. tools and some prayer, like also like Veronica in the name of Jesus. I just pray that you find what you need in terms of fellowship And someone to talk to. And I pray that you know that you're okay. You're great in Jesus' name. And, um, you know, uh, Carly, I think it was. I pray that you will walk in fear, you know, in faith, excuse me, and never fear. I pray that you'll never feel like you want to hide under the bed again and that you'll never really be afraid of this stuff again. In fact, I pray that the calling on your life to actually do battle on behalf of people dealing with the same kinds of things um, that you step into it fully in Jesus name. And um, I pray that we all have a blessed week. You know, I pray that we all, you know, and blessed, a lot of times and I want to explain this blessed doesn't just mean I pray that gifts fall out of the sky over you all week, you know, bless the word. Bless means to cleanse, right. To be purified. So I pray that we're all blessed this week. I pray that we really understand what the word blessing means and that we will love and value purification, you know? And God will show us what's hiding in the crevices and the cracks and the dark circles of our lives. And that you'll take out a broom and like show us where we need to sweep the house in Jesus'
2: mm-hmm. name. Yeah.
0: yeah. In Jesus' name. Yeah. Thank y'all. It's been an awesome girl club as always.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Always. Good. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Well, I guess from us to all of you, we'll see you next week. Have a great week. See you on club.
1: Bye. Bye,
0: everybody. <sighs>